Welcome to Aperia, the podcast, where we discuss the great questions of classical Christian education. We're your hosts. I'm Tim Derwin. And I'm Danielle Dillenschneider. Join us as we navigate our way through the labyrinth of questions. Today we're going to be talking about formation as the end of education and what that really means for administrators and administrative decisions. So, as our resident administrative expert, Tim, could you tell me a little bit about what administrators do at Glasgow Christian Schools? Sure. Um, uh, the administration basically frames out uh, a house that then the teachers get to come in and um, flesh out and build out. So administrators are really just framers, lay the foundation, set up the framework, and then the teachers um, get to do the good work, the fun work, the important work of being in the classrooms and forming the kids. And so a lot of times we don't we don't see that structure as available at a public institution because there's a lot of requirements that the government puts on as far as uh, testing and um, Common Core, Race to the Top, Initiative 2020, all of these different things that are put in place. Whereas we have no core but Christ. And when we when we uh, are able to have more freedom and flexibility and a different mission, which is the formation of children, then it gets to be fun. But there's a lot to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to jumping into all the different topics. Uh, where would you like to begin? Well, I think I kind of like to think about the administrative role of letting in and admitting students and families okay. and how they, I don't know anything about that process. I just know that we have amazing students and I'm thankful for them. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so we can't have classrooms and teachers without the admission of students, right? So yeah, that's a great place to begin. So, um, when, uh, when we're testing students and bringing them in or figuring out if they're a good fit, there's a lot of different ways that we can, uh, places where we can put our emphasis so one of the early parts is an application. So what you put on your application is important. If you put a lot about uh, the academic prowess or the uh, scholarship of students, then there's less opportunity for the formation of students. When you run an open house, if you have students uh, and parents coming in, if you lead with test scores and talk about test scores and academics and degrees of faculty, then it, uh, it emphasizes that over the formation. So when you uh, do, uh, a lot of times when we do our open houses, SAT scores are the last thing we talk about. We talk about the formation of students, being Christ-centered, being Christian, and what that means that we don't read about schools in the Bible, but we read about parents and that we're coming alongside them to partner with them as they raise their children. So we want to be a tool for them to use. Then we get into the classical, right, and start telling them about the classical. And we don't, uh, when we talk about that, we don't lead with the academic part. We lead with formation, that classical education is about formation of students and formation of virtue and, and producing flourishing human beings. So right from the get-go, we're onboarding parents with the understanding that it's about formation. And so then it, and it leads into uh, the testing process, the interview process, and where you put your emphasis is um, where you're going to guide people to think about education for the rest of their, of their time with you. Rest of the time that they're with you. So um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So then how do you kind of further that and continue that? Because I think 
I don't know, I think sometimes our culture sort of emphasizes, you know, college prep and that's the kind of private school we're used to, you know, Um, either that or it's, you know, Christian schools are are a thing as well that are not just classical Christian schools. I went to a Christian school myself, so I I know that sometimes the, the draw to that is just, okay, it's not secular, we like the Christian aspect. And I think that's in some ways great when that brings families there. Um, as long as we can kind of deepen that understanding of classical Christian education and what formation means. So from an administrative perspective, how does formation being the end goal impact the continual communication and and training of you and parents? Yeah, that's great. So um, we say that, uh, I like to say that at the start as well, we're not a college prep school, we're uh, life prep. College is one little thing that your students will do, that your children will will do in life. And so we're not training them for college, we're training them for life. And when we start with that, and then we have, uh, it's good for administrators to have parent academies and not just uh, do scholarship, but also how to be a better parent, how to be a better uh, parent of a classical educator, how to talk about Latin, for instance, uh, instead of talking about it from an academic point of learn your grammar so you can get 100% on your test. Instead, we talk about uh, the beauty and excitement of it and how it's a, a secret language and you can you can have fun learning it and and that the joy surrounding it and training parents to talk in a joyful way rather than a way of drudgery um, so that it calibrates uh, the loves of the students and calibrates the loves of the of the parents um, it's so beautiful and you know as a, as a teacher you see families and parents who talk about things in that way And they're probably such a joy to teach. And then others who talk about the drudgery of certain academic subjects or the drudgery of school and um, focus on those things. And it it really sucks the life out of the education. So uh, I think, would you agree? Oh, I agree. Yeah. I think I'm also curious, have you seen some schools doing this really well where they're able to you know, educate the parents or, or continue that. Um, because I think sometimes we live in a culture of busyness and people just think, Oh, I don't have time for that. You know? So how, how have administrators done this? Well, sure. I've seen a lot of administrators try, uh, a book read or, uh, parent seminars. And sometimes those aren't well attended because like you said, we are all busy. Um, it, it seems that, uh, some specific times rather than ongoing times. So headmasters with uh, dads in the morning say, hey, come drop your, ch- your children off for school and stay around for 30 minutes and let's talk and just start starting to train the dad's affections and in that way. And then also uh, doing that with moms. Say, hey, moms, we're going to have a time and we're going to connect. And But building community during that time, having them trade business cards, having them form gatherings so that it can be a, a Christian community and I know this doesn't seem real specific to the topic, but that's foundational. It's part of building that house and laying that foundation of community, Christian love, brotherhood, uh, sisterhood, so that we can focus on the formation because mm-hmm. uh, that's that's at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. It's relational. Formation is relational and not just reading book, not just uh, being prepared for an exam. And so it takes a lot of... Uh, things that you can't really measure uh, a lot of uh, a lot of intentional use of language intentional use of time we're, we're all given the same amount of time uh, in in a day and so how we use that how we think about that and how we frame that is is really important so 
Um, this yeah. is all common sense, but I, it's mm-hmm. just a good reminder, hopefully. No, it is. It, it is. It's helpful to hear it because, you know, as a teacher, I know my classroom and I, I understand that atmosphere, but I don't understand the kind of 3,000 foot view. And I, when I'm thinking about parents and their involvement, I think one really crucial way in which parents and administrators have to interact is over discipline and student discipline. Mm, mm, and mm. when student discipline is well handled, I see that, you know, the parents and the administration, they can really be on the same page and feel really supported and mutually loved. And I think, but that's also, uh, parents are so sensitive about their kids. They love their kids. So sometimes if we're not handling discipline well, it can be something that really can drive parents and students away from the school. So how do you see formation impacting the way we handle discipline? Uh, I love that. So if handled well, we can really... Um, form the hearts of the children, right? We we definitely don't want behavior modification. We want heart transformation. And if we're going to have a list of rules and a list of punishments for those rules, um, we're just going to have behavior modification. We're just going to have uh, people figuring out how to operate within the system um, so that they can um, move through the system and graduate. But if we go at an approach of forming the kids through taking them through uh, repentance, forgiveness, and restoration, and having a life on life conversation, one on one conversation, uh, working with the student, and and it seems messy and it's hard to understand why one child doesn't get a punishment and another one does for the exact same thing. We're being used by God to set the table for the Holy Spirit to work. And when working with the child on discipline, if you see that they are quickly repentant and the Holy Spirit has uh, cut them to the quick and they they know they've done something wrong, it's so much easier to guide them through the repentance, forgiveness, and restoration. If there's a hard heart, um, like we read about in the Bible, um, Pharaoh had a hard heart, so some hard punishments had to come to start waking him up, and it got harder and harder and harder and harder until finally he lost his son, right, and to wake him up. And he finally uh, didn't have a full heart trans- transformation, but at least he woke up and let God's people go. Now, that's pretty heavy to say, but back to the school realm, if, uh, if you need to have some type of consequence— with um, cleaning up uh, the gymnasium or something, sweeping the gym as a as a consequence because you were disrespectful or, or destroyed some property. Um, if it goes on and on, there can be extreme things where kids do get removed from school. But it starts with talking to the heart, sharing the gospel with them, letting them know all of us have sinned and that it's okay. And like you said, parents sometimes struggle with that because... None of us want to see that our children have disobeyed because we feel like it's a reflection on us, but it's not. It's just a reminder that we all need a Savior. Mm-hmm. And then just reminding them that God casts our sins away as far as the East is from the West. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not going to remember that when we look at them in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Like It'll be behind us. Yeah. So long answer for the formation um, that's needed. It's, it's messier. It takes mm-hmm. more time. It's life on life. You have to set aside time for it and realize that that's not a disruption to your day. Mm-hmm. It is your calling. Yeah. So I'm kind of th- thinking about this from different classical Christian educators I've heard to um, 
what you've said reminded me about the idea of, of uniforms even mm. as, as kind of a factor and, and just you know sheer obedience there of are you wearing the right thing it seems so small and I find it's a very nitpicky thing to kind of argue over the height of students socks or their colors or whether or not they have the right hair length right like th these are things that we kind of can get caught up with how, how do you think even that from an administrative point should be handled or how should we think about that as, as teachers, as students, parents? So, so I think that's uh, such a, a hot topic anywhere you go because <laughs> it does reveal the heart of the student and of the teacher. Um, and so that's a visible standard um, that, you know, I see a lot of young men that don't pull their tie up all the way, don't tighten it up all the way. And we could walk around and say, oh, demerit, 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 um, call your dad, you got to go home. But um, I think it's better to start with, hey, Jimmy, tighten that tie. Oh, uh, yes, sir. And that's it. That's all mm -hmm. you need to say. This is a nice reminder. You, you love him. Um, but if we, if we come down in a really harsh way, especially the first time or 10, uh, <laughs> um, then we're actually driving kids away and hardening their hearts. It's tricky, right? Because mm -hmm. you know, as a teacher, you know children, you know the students, you know most of them you can just talk to, and they're wired to love and respect their teachers. That's just how God has made the children. And sometimes, because of the fallen nature, they're wired to rebel and disobey, and we need to come alongside them. We should expect that to happen. If we don't expect it to happen, then sometimes we react too harshly and, and harden their hearts. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered what you were trying to get at. No, I, th I think it's a really helpful thing because I think it's it's an easy thing to kind of hyper-focus on and to also sort of assume that we can make a lot of judgments about students if they're not doing the little things, whereas some of them are just not always uh, good at paying attention to details. They forget to wear the right shirt on the right day, you know? And, Some and of the so, executive function, right? They yeah, just don't have it yet. Yeah, they're not there yet. And it's it's not necessarily a hard issue. And so, I, you know, I've just found, and I even have told uh, students at different times, girls in colloquy, you know, when we're talking about the length of your skirt, uh, we're not really focusing on necessarily, you know, the the you know, letter of the law, we're looking at the heart of that because I've been a, a student with uniforms and with a skirt and I've rolled my skirt and I've been a high school girl and I know exactly what the intention is behind that. You know, like I've been there and I know. So let's let's stop acting like it's something that it isn't. Um, <laughs> and, and let's be real, you know, like that sometimes is our motive, but sometimes it's not. And I, I think it's something we just have to have a conversation with them about, like you've said, and, and be more restorative and focus on the heart and not just focus on uh, the the kind of nitpicky aspects of, of that. And yeah, because it, it does certainly harden their heart. And, and I, th I think it's, it's a tricky thing. Um, I, and I think that it makes me think about, you know, even as teachers, a lot of our experience with discipline is going to be colored by our personal life experience, you know, whether or not we've been, you know, I'm not too far away from high school myself, or uh, I don't, you know, I don't have kids yet. Getting so farther I'm, away. Getting Daniel, farther. I'm so old. I'm ancient. <laughs> no, but, you know, I don't have kids yet, so sometimes that also changes the way, um, and, and I just think about how much 
teachers can often shape the, the culture of that and how uh, that's received, student discipline is received. And so hearing from an administrative perspective, what's the goal of discipline is really helpful. So when we're, look, uh, uniforms again, right? Mm-hmm. When we want to get the students to comply mm-hmm. versus um, having the focus, we want to shape their heart. So it's all an opportunity, either to for compliance, for mm-hmm. uh, behavior modification, or heart transformation so that they love the standard, they'll, they'll whatever it is, they'll mm-hmm. love their teachers. So it's, uh, uh, the uniforms are important. We, uh, if we choose to choose them in our schools, mm-hmm. it's for unity. Mm-hmm. That they're one, we're, it's a representation of being one in the body of Christ. It's a representation of being one school. It's one mission, one purpose. And for folks that want to go too far outside of that, then you start asking, well, what's the reason? Why are, why are you not wanting to be part of this unity of uh, what we're doing here? So mm-hmm. anyway. No, that's a helpful way to think about it from a formational perspective rather than just well, it looks good, and, and, and we need to, to make sure we look good on the surface when, where you could be whitewashed tombs, right? So that's, yeah. yep. that's the fear. And, and I think, too, um, how, how do you see administrative uh, influence on training teachers through some of these formational mindsets? How do, how do administrators view this, the meetings and this training of teachers? Yeah, that's so. Again, if uh, if our mission is to um, is to form the kids, and uh, and the and the mission is uh, front and center, then we should place our training there, right? And so, um, so just remind ourselves of the mission and saying, mm-hmm. is this training matching up with the mission of what we're doing? And uh, in the formation of students. So if we spend uh, a lot of our time with faculty on uh, task-oriented topics, it can, it can be draining to the souls of the teachers. Uh, it can be draining to the souls of the students who trickle down and feel those effects. And, it, and it's, it's hard. As an administrator, there's so much you want to get to and so many pressures that are being put on, onto you. And you have to stay close to your board, who should also be on mission to um, be about formation rather than just being a private school who does X, Y, and Z in a certain way. And so it looks different. It feels different. What we're doing in classical Christian education should be visibly different, but in a really beautiful way. And so, yeah, we need to actively resist the temptation to focus on, on tasks and just pour into the teachers, be an example of how to form, how to form, uh, and how to be a, a headmaster, right? A master, uh, of the, of the master. So, um, a little rambly, talk, talk a little bit about that if you want. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think as a teacher, yeah, it's really easy to kind of feel like you're getting caught up in sort of the, the minutia and the minutia is important. You know, there, there are details that you have to make sure that you're communicating with students and parents. So they know if they're missing class, like what they're missing, you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's helpful. It it helps them feel included, but at the same time, I think you're right. I think that has to be at the forefront. How, how do you go about, uh, hiring people, whether it's, you know, teachers or, um, even other administrators in the organization, how what how does formation affect your hiring decisions? 
I'm much more a fan of an organic process uh, as opposed to send in your CV, fill out this form, um, I'll call your resume or your references. Um, I'm much more a fan of conversations um, because I think you get to know the heart of a person and how they'll pour into the heart of students through conversation. And, um, and if, you're, if you've been in administration long enough, you know the questions you want to ask and you can gradually weave them through a conversation. So like a funnel, starting at a really high level and just having a conversation. Say, hey, I uh, just want to uh, talk to you real quick uh, about this history position we're trying to fill. Uh, not an interview, just want to have a conversation with you and call the person, have a conversation. Then circle back again, have another conversation. You know that you're interviewing them and they know that they're being interviewed, but if it's conversational and organic, you find out more and more about the person and how they're going to interact with people and love people, and you can weave that in there. And if you if you if you give opportunities and focus on how they love students and how they'll form students and how they'll build relationships, uh, healthy relationships with students uh, to form them, if if half your questions are around that. Um, it's not only going to help you flesh out and hire the people that are needed, but it's also going to um, help onboard them. So I see all of interviewing as onboarding, uh, interviewing of students, interviewing of parents, interviewing of staff. It's all part of the onboarding and the enculturation to let them know we want formation here. And it's also really important not to just focus on the subject uh, and what they're doing in the classroom. That's unfortunately, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, um, half of what we do. There's interactions in the hallways, how you're going to be interacting with uh, the students in the hallways, how you're going to interact with them at lunch. Are you going to go close your door and be by yourself and not interact with the students? Or are you going to uh, look for opportunities to build a relationship? And the other huge piece, you have to be relational with your coworkers. Um, coworkers meaning uh, fellow teachers uh, and uh, administrators who are also coworkers and support staff. Everybody is co-workers just in different roles and you have to be relational there so that you can we can build robust, strong communities that will surround these students with love and form them. And we have to be forming each other too. We have to be used by Christ, iron sharpening iron, so that we're being formed, not only so we represent lifelong learning in formation, but lifelong growth. And it, it organically spills into a, a beautiful community. It's hard, hard, hard work. Um, uh, Satan has, uh, has, is always at work, and we're in a fallen world where this doesn't come naturally to us at this point in our lives. And so we have to resist uh, a lot of things and work at it, mm -hmm. which is hard because when you're working at it, 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 it if, if it feels like work, then it's taken out some of the joy too. So setting it up so it's organic um, is helpful. Yeah, how do you set it up so that it's organic? I mean, I'll just say you know, as kind of a, a case study, an example, you know, in my years at, at our school teaching, it has been really cool for me just being in my stage of life to get to know a lot of people who are at different stages of life, a little older than me, and just grow from knowing them and talking about what we teach them. Um, I love, obviously, I love getting to know our students and, and working with our students. That's like the greatest joy of my job and um, I think 
it, it's great to get to know my coworkers, and I've just been through, uh, it, time helps, right? But it's harder, I've been through a lot of different schedules and things like that, mm. Mm. where sometimes it's really hard to even spend time or see my coworkers at all because we are teaching all day or we don't have, we don't have, when we have breaks, we don't get to see everybody. You know, it's really easy to be siloed off into your own space and to not really have that time to people be shut up in their offices. So how does the administration, how, how can you impact the structure of the schedule or the structure mm -hmm. of even the building? How, how do those things um, change when formation is our goal? And, uh, and, and one of your original questions was how do you make it organic? Mm -hmm. So I think uh, the budget, the schedule, and the physical space are the three things that play into making things feel organic. So if, you're, if you can get your budget to the point where you don't have to overschedule teachers, um, so if they teach one or two fewer classes, if they have one or two fewer preps, if they have one or two fewer uh, job duties like uh, dismissal duties or lunch duties. It, it's it's hard because we're 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 doing these schools, starting them from scratch, trying to do something new. Um, but I'm passionate about a budget and making budgets strong so that it can trickle down into the formation, so that we can um, pay teachers more, so that they're not having stress on their minds of, oh maybe I need to get a second job, maybe I need to just work at Chick-fil-A a little bit to get a little more income. Um, when you take that concern off, um, because the budget's strong, you can also uh, hire an extra teacher or two and spread the workload. Uh, and then that ends up affecting the scheduling. And you can actually schedule teachers so they have similar breaks. So if there's lots of similar breaks with humanities teachers, they can, they can figure out how to connect and build the curriculum that plays off each other and, and, and there's an interplay that then will affect the students. They can also just love and connect with each other and grow and form that way, or math and science, or languages. But uh, all of that, and then the physical space. Uh, I've served in buildings where uh, we've grown so quickly. All the gathering spaces have been eliminated. Conference rooms have been uh, split into uh, workspaces. Uh, every closet is used for workspace. And um, there's been so many studies done on uh, apartment buildings and uh, if there's not uh, gathering spaces, how it um, depression and suicide increases and, and that gets kind of heavy for what we're talking about. But you, we're, 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 we're relational creatures. That's how God's created us. So there has to be uh, time and space um, facilitated by a strong budget. Um, so, uh, I rambled a little bit there, but strong budget allows you to hire more teachers so you can spread the workload so that then you can schedule for them to connect with each other. And then you have to have spaces throughout the building, um, for students to gather, for, um, uh, faculty to gather so it can be organic and there can be a formation of the faculty and, uh, the students. Mm -hmm. So what would you say if, uh, we're kind of in a space or there are people schools kind of in a space where they maybe don't have those things yet. Um, is there a way to foster 
community without it being sort of forced? I mean, should should we just have hour long, two hour, three hour long meetings after school? I mean, like how do we how do we do that? Or or um, any just ideas or things you've seen done that that really help foster that community? Some some administrators who live close by have had. Uh, gatherings for faculty at their house and uh, doing it that way. Um, you, you uh, Danielle, took mm-hmm. uh, a couple of us, uh, your co-workers, through a book study off campus. We went through Don Quixote, and mm-hmm. it was just beautiful, like just mm-hmm. having that time. And we had to be intentional about it, but it was just uh, mm-hmm. um, doing things like that. But, yeah, um, getting off campus, uh, breaking bread together, um is really important. Those things can be more important than uh, an, an hour or two long meeting on the upcoming schedule or the weekly schedule. We we have to, and I'm pointing the finger at myself because I, I have failed at this many times. We have to make it a priority and understand that just stopping, breaking bread, living life together um, is every bit as valuable, if not more valuable than an hour or two meeting on dress code and scheduling and things. Mm-hmm. That's just like my my geeking out moment as I'm reading through the Divine Comedy with uh, my freshman again this year. I've been so struck by the structure of Dante's journey through hell and purgatory taking six days. There's active traveling, taking it in, learning, that sort of thing. And on the seventh day of his journey, he makes it to... Uh, earthly paradise Eden on the top of Mount Purgatory and it's all about contemplation and taking Mm -hmm. it in and Mm -hmm. reflecting and I think that that just reminds me so much of what we do as teachers is so active I mean it is one of the most sanctifying things I could ever think of you know it's constantly working and and working through you know living out your faith in front of students and with students and so that time to just sit down and contemplate and not really have an agenda is actually so good. It's that contemplation that we need. It's that restful reflection and just enjoyment of being around others who are sharing in the work with us. You know, mm. uh, it's it's really important. So I see that completely being a, a really important aspect of of administration. So we know the truth of God's word that a student will be like their teacher, and so when when Danielle, you're saying contemplating setting that time aside, they're, they're going to be like us. And we want to set that good example to contemplate and have that time for our younger brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes we forget that. There are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, they're not something else until they graduate. They're already in family and in relationship with us. And so keeping that in mind is, is important too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, I think, and one more thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, Curricul- go for it. Curriculum. Mm-hmm. We, we need to make sure that we're not overdoing the curriculum. We, uh, trying to get through. I, we're still so very modern in classical Christian education. We, we love what we're doing. We're so passionate about it and it's so important. And I love how you're always bringing in Dante and other mm-hmm. great works. And we want to know that. But we're so modern still thinking mm-hmm. we have to open up their mind, open mm-hmm. up their brain, pour in all this information, pack it all in before they're, they graduate at age 18 because learning's done after that, right? I'm being mm-hmm. sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> we need to make sure that we cut back on some of the, the books instead of reading through nine in a year, maybe five, and just do a deep dive and contemplate mm-hmm. and, and 
help them to love, love, love what they're doing enough that we're confident that they're going to go on and read these other great books mm -hmm. for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think, yeah, this idea of, of doing more and more and more too fits into the way that administrators think about scheduling and academics and, and even co-curriculars start to kind of get in there with athletics and with arts and musicals and choir and all the things. I mean, it's, it's amazing all that the students are doing and can do. Um, but how, how do you approach and how do you think administrators should approach scheduling and co-curriculars? The parable of the talents. So we see the um, Christ teaching us about the parable of the talents where the master's going away. He gives uh, three different individuals uh, different talents. Um, one a lot of talents, one a few talents, and one one talent. And um, the, the one servant buries his talent and doesn't use it. I think that when we overschedule uh, students, load them up with homework, um, so when we load them up with homework, mm -hmm. uh, the part that we're more or less in control of as administrators, mm -hmm. uh, we are encouraging students to bury their other talents that God's given them. So we're actually tempting them to sin um, because they're not using their talents to foster their violin uh, talent or their sports talent or their youth talent or serving at a homeless shelter or getting involved with their church. And, and they need to be eating dinner with their families. And so we need to really think through that. I agree. I think, uh, I think I've, I hear from students how they will just slave away at work and I just tell them you should you should not you should you should eat dinner with your family you should go to bed get plenty of sleep did you get enough sleep last night you should sleep some more I'm always in encouraging that and I think uh, I think it's just such a, a hard thing for teachers to grasp and I I think uh, that's something I would like to unpack in, in the next episode about how formation impacts teaching um, so I won't go on more about that, but it's a hard thing for us to grasp. And I think, uh, I think s athletics are such a formational part mm. of mm. students' character as well as, um, academics or not academics, sorry, arts. And, um, you know, I, I did a lot of art in high school. I was in musicals and I, I loved being a part of theater productions and that really formed so many relationships and, um, just skills and abilities that I'm thankful for that I, you know, I think I would be terrified of being in front of people and on stage, but now I'm, I'm not. I've done it so much. Um, and, and there are other things uh, like, you know, discipline that you just learn from uh, athletics. I just think teamwork and humility, like that's so important. And so if we're thinking that formation is our goal, we can't just say, well, they're only here to do homework, right? The homework academy, that's not it, right? They have to go be involved in relationships, working for towards a common goal with other people, whether it's producing a musical or you know scoring a goal. It's amazing that they can they can do that with their their friends and, and can foster those deep relationships. And um, I just think that's so important. And I also think you know there there are other things like dances that we'll do as a part of an event uh, at at school that it's just fun to see them participating in and, and to even be a part of it too as a teacher and chaperoning and that sort of thing like it's just a it's just a blast because those are the sorts of things that they can look forward to sometimes uh mm -hmm. just where they can have fun and not 
be worried about appearances or achievement, but it's just the joy of contemplation. You know, to go back to Dante because it always does. Uh, the thing that there that is happening in heaven is is especially amongst the the scholars, right? The the those who um, study God's word now they're in a divine dance in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is where the party is in a sense, right? Like that's it's a joyful thing to learn that it's a beautiful thing to learn um, about just sharing in joy with others. So I think those things have to be important priorities, even with our house system. My husband does a lot of the house games and stuff like that. And I love seeing um, students come together over just silly games, like uh, what, what we're calling it, like what, like commie kickball or something crazy <laughs> like that, because you're, you're limiting the amount of, uh, <laughs> of home runs they can kick um, for good measure because I think it would go on forever with a few of our students who are soccer players, they would just kick it far away. Um, but no, so just playing games like that, angle ball or dodgeball, they, they just have so much fun. And, and I think that's a, a, a joyful thing, right? Like we want them to have joy in being together. It, it's not all about achievement and numbers, right? Um, that, that joy, those relationships are formational. Yeah, and uh, I, I love that, Danielle. So we... Just like we said, we're not a college prep school, um, that we're a life prep school, um, academies rather around the nation. Um, In the same way, I think we should stop assuming or saying that we are uh, academic institutions. We're formational institutions. And so when we say we're academic institutions, we tend to lean into the heresy of Gnosticism, thinking that only our mind is important and our bodies are not important and and uh and when we understand that we're formational institutions the co-curriculars truly are part of the academics they're part of the formation and you can learn so much like you were alluding to on a sports field in a play production um music is the language of Mm -hmm. god's people we need to lean into that and and foster that the house games so yeah, that whole idea of being formational institutions rather than academic institutions is really, really important. I love the way you put that. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there's so much going on within the whole school that administrators get to sort of make decisions about. Um, you know, they're oftentimes the ones making the decisions as their role, whereas a lot of times the teachers are just there. Kind of like you said, I love the image of, of you know, building the room. And um, that's really cool. So kind of almost to, to maybe close out, still going back up to that 3,000-foot view, though, when you think about organizational structure as an administrator, um, what goes into your mind with this formational goal? Uh, just to kind of wrap it up, where, where do you see people, or not maybe where, but how do you see organizational structure factoring into this? Uh, so... W- First, we have to be unified in our values, assumptions, and beliefs to have strong organizational culture, so mission alignment. But um, then the organizational structure itself, uh, I love the idea of empowerment and that there needs to be a a high level of trust and letting people do the jobs uh, that they've been uh, hired on uh, for and that that we're all co-workers together. That it's not uh, that it's not a a hierarchical system, um, it, which has its value, but that we're co-workers, and so there should be a lot of uh, crossover 
and in co- communication and faculty and uh, cleaning crews and support staff and administrators should all have voices into where things are going. So if we go back to the analogy of framing out a house, well, you don't want to build a room that's, uh, you know, nine by 20 if the teacher would rather have a, a room or a setup or an environment or rules or structure or handbooks or a schedule that is a different dimension or a different focus. So having that whole integration with the guiding question always at the base, how will this form kids? How will this or advance our mission to form um, the students to be a formational institution rather than an academic institution? So organizational structure is important with uh, a high volume of collaboration um, and uh, input and empowerment and trust when there's missional alignment of shared values, assumptions, and beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, uh, and and then kind of to further that, like you said, how to achieve that just through building that organic community and time with each other. And, and sometimes that means just not having an agenda, but then I think at times too, it just means intentionally the way we communicate with each other. It's not the administration wants us to do this or the administration wants this, but it's mm-hmm. we want this. Mm-hmm. And, there you and go. to us be on the same page, uh, it's, it's really challenging at times. And because um, I, I think I think at times it can feel like, well, we're the ones with the students as teachers, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. we're the ones that are close to them. And administrators often acknowledge that, you know, I think sometimes administrators get to deal with more issues than they get to deal with day to day in terms of, of the students. Um, how do you kind of enable yourself to not only deal with just issues that arise, but to like be immersed in the day-to-day joyful aspects so that you can can build that sort of collaborative organizational structure? So definitely being in the classrooms, uh, whether it's passing through for a, a couple minutes in each classroom or uh it's cool as an administrator, and we need to lean into it more as administrators to maybe set aside one class uh, a semester uh, or one class a year to sit and partake and be part of mm-hmm. as a student. And um, that comes uh, that comes alongside of humility and just sitting and learning from a teacher and from the students. Um, I, I've, I've some of my favorite memories are sitting in classes and being corrected by students about a passage or... And, and, and I, I witnessed that. You witnessed it, yeah, yeah. But but I, but I loved it, and, and it didn't bother me a bit. I mean, there was a, a cute, confusing passage for me, anyway, of, uh, of Brothers Karamazov, and, uh, and, and, uh, and the, the student corrected me in such a beautiful way. Uh, Dr. Dernlund, I think maybe that's not the right character you're thinking of. And so it was great. I loved it. But, but uh, again, back to being part of that and setting aside time so that you know boots on the ground, what's going on, and then just communicate. And, and like you said, it's a we thing. We want this, not mm-hmm. administration wants this. And, and then it goes up beyond that too. You need to have a board who understands the formation aspect and is committed to it and has a, a steel spine because it's going to be different from what the world expects from public schools, from private schools, from our modern education. And so when the board gets that and the board has training in that and the board 
is supportive in that, uh, then it's a we thing, and it's not uh, the board wants this, or the administration wants this, or the parents want this. It's a we thing, and that that mission alignment is so key, and so high volume of communication mm-hmm. with formation front and center mm-hmm. um, on our minds is key, and that just humbling ourselves and praying and and uh, asking God for wisdom and heart change in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well. I, uh, I think that was kind of a, a beautiful and fitting end to our, our talking about this, unless you had more to add. No, that was fun and, uh, mm-hmm. and convicting because mm-hmm. uh, I've been in administration for a while. I've seen a lot of schools and none of us are getting it right. And, uh, and this was convicting for me and uh, hopefully encouraging for, for, uh, for folks as we all seek mm-hmm. to recover thousands of years of lost education and, uh, and, and, and seek to make beautiful Christian communities um, Mm -hmm. that will will all be formed for Christ in. Yeah, and I think to just add as a final note as a teacher, having administrators who want to empower and serve is really uh, just a blessing as a teacher. And so as much as things aren't perfect ever, I don't think we get the perfect school on this side of heaven. Mm. I think... uh, I think as long as that's the goal to empower and to serve, I think there's nothing more you could look for as a teacher. So it's been a great to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks.